Second Names Podcast. Welcome, what's up, and hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Games and Names Podcast, a place where we talk with different experts from game dev industry and discuss their experience as well as professional stories. In other words, we focus on games and people in them. My name is Ten, I'm your usual host and also VP of product at AppMagic, an analytical service for analyzing mobile markets and gaining actionable insights. Today, we've got a very interesting topic and a special guest for this topic as well. Please welcome my special co-host, Yasa Kroon. Hello, hello. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, yeah. So welcome to the podcast. A couple of things about Yasa, and I'm sure he will add something. So Yasa works as a senior game designer at Product Madness. That's first. Secondly, he did master's degrees on game design, and he was working with Nemesis System from Shadow of Mordor game, and it's really fascinating. And last but not least, he designed a board game of his own, which is absolutely fantastic from my point of view. <laughs> so I think that's most of the facts that I know. Yes, if you want to add something. Sure. Thanks for the amazing introduction, Stan. Yeah, um, indeed, that's kind of been my story thus far. I'm a game designer that's very focused on creating like holistic experiences in which whatever narrative or theme is present in the game is kind of reflected in the game mechanics. I love thinking about how games can be storytelling devices alongside meaningful experiences uh, for the player. That's kind of my focus in my work. Sounds Wonderful. I really hope that most of the game designers and experts from the industry will have your approach as well. <laughs> so there is one question that I ask all of our guests. What drives you? Why do you work in the game dev industry? Yeah, okay, great question. So to me, it really is that thing that I mentioned just a moment ago, that I want to create meaningful experiences for people. I've enjoyed doing that all my life. I used to do a lot of theater as a kid, so I, I was creating... Uh... Actually, I've never heard about it before. No, I haven't mentioned it. But yeah, I've, I've always liked experiences like be they, you know, the make-believe games you play as kids to creating a story for people on stage. And now, most recently and, and professionally, having the opportunity to do that in games is something that I love. I think games are actually unique as a form of media, as a kind of experience in their ability to give people meaningful experiences because of that magical thing that only games have, well, at least only games have it properly, I would say, uh, is interactivity and agency in the actions, in the experience. So that added layer of agency excites me so much, and in my opinion, means that we can create things that can change people's lives, that can give them very, very special things and memories to take home with them and uh, improve their lives, I guess. So to, to zoom out to the greatest level, that's why I'm in games. Sounds too good. Actually, I think we really should have an episode on interactivity and everything around it. I think oh, it yes. might be interesting. Maybe another one with games changing people's lives might be a good one as well. But for today, we've got another special topic. We want to talk about clones, so-called game clones, especially mobile clones. Why do they appear? How do they work? What can be defined as a clone to start? And the most interesting part, what are the criteria of successful clones and what are the usual mistakes that are made along the way? So this is the general approach. And I think part of the inspiration was driven by a recent game by Heavy called Triple S Snake, SSS Snake. Because before that, almost every 
game released by Heavy, every mobile game released by Heavy, say Archero, say Survivor, was copied and cloned tens and tens of times. So there is a chance that if we will see a good performance by this new game as well, there will be a new wave of clones. So I think we picked the best moment for discussing this topic. Hmm. But before diving deep, I think we should really define clones and cloning as a you know, as a process, as a subject. So what do we, what do you define as a clone? Right, so I've been thinking about this a bit. I think we can identify, certainly in the mobile gaming industry, two kinds of, of cloning or... Um, at the highest level, a clone is a, a clone of a game is kind of what it says on the tin, right? It's the same game. It's a duplicate. It gets tricky when we talk about how how much of a duplicate is it, right? Mm -hmm. I would almost say that there are two kinds of clones. There are maybe, you know, clones without honor or clones that are just complete, you know, take every part of a particular game and replicate it. With, uh, mm -hmm. without any real creative energy being spent on the part of the developers of the clone. Of course, you have to be good at making games in order to successfully execute that endeavor. But I think then you're just stealing someone else's ideas. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. And there are some problems around that that we can get into perhaps later. Maybe not the topic of this talk. But I then think there's another way that cloning is happening. Is, and that's very kind of core to how games are made in general, right? Games mm -hmm. are, uh, our industry is iterative in the sense that the games that came before inspire the games of today. And the games of today are going to inspire games in the future and that is not a bad thing there's a lot of honor actually in respecting game mechanics and then taking them into your own projects adding your creative spin to it changing things about it and putting something new out there that is familiar to players i don't think there's anything wrong with that so that is something we could also be calling uh cloning so mm -hmm. the uh, you know get think games that have the same cores, the same metas, sometimes the same combination of the same core and meta with a slightly different theme. These are clones as well, but it's not as bad as um, just even pretending to be a game that came before, you know, mm -hmm. completely copying mm -hmm. it. If you made a game called Survive, not Survivor.io, but Survivor.oi that looked exactly the same and played exactly the same, had the same art style and stuff, you know, that's what I would describe as a bad clone. And I don't think we should be interested in doing that as an industry. It cheapens us. It is true. And on top of that, I think usually these type of clones, they do not succeed because yeah. there is no way <laughs> when copying a game like one-to-one, uh, -one, identically, there is no way you can succeed with the same target audience. You have to change mm. something. You have to change maybe the setting. You have to change maybe the visuals art style, maybe the narrative, something in order to achieve some success. So yeah, yeah I totally agree with you. And if we begin to change something, then we can call it some kind of an inspirational clone, though in some situations we will be looking at two identical games and say, okay, so we can see that this game is all about pies and all about cooking. And this game is all about dragons and fighting, but in its core, in its meta, they're identical. They're mm -hmm. the same, but they target different audience and they require different visual styles, different maybe expertise to some point in order to be executed well. Mm -hmm. I think the good question after trying to define the clones is why do developers create clones in general? And what are the main reasons for that? And here there are, well, I've been thinking about it as well. There seems to be three main ways to come up with new game ideas. So you either can be a great expert from the industry having mm -hmm. a big professional experience and having some kind of a hunch and a lot of experiments running. 
and then you can end up with a cool core gameplay or very intricate meta. That's number one. I think that's one of the best ways to come up with new game ideas and new successful games. Unfortunately, it's one of the most difficult, of course, to implement. Secondly, you might have a like a genius idea. You know what? I really want to make, I don't know, a game where you can fight with dinosaurs with tomatoes. Well, all right. Sounds good on the paper. But then returning to the first point, if you don't have enough expertise, then the chances are very high, like 99%, that you will fail. Well, mm-hmm. maybe you will fail even along the way, so the game won't be released. And then last but not least, and I think this is actually the most popular option you can see a very successful game on the market and you can think for yourself all right so all i want to do is copy that success and then it's done like easy as that but the truth is is that it's not easy as that at all and there are successful clones and there are unsuccessful clones so what is the difference what makes the difference is a big question Definitely, yeah. So one thing pops into my head as you're saying that we have to also take into account a motivation behind cloning is speeding up the amount of time it takes to make a game. If you have that amazing idea, the second uh, situation that you that you described, as, as a game designer, for example, and working in game development, I'm surrounded by people who, who have good ideas. We all are having good ideas all the time. It sounds amazing to us. Is it going to be the next great game? You don't know. The only way to know is to build it to test Uh it, to iterate on it, to prototype it, and to put it in front of users, to test it in the market. You you know, there's, there's lots of processes that go into making a game and a lot of time and resources. A cloned game can look at a piece of, of design, you know, the, a connection between emerging core and a, I don't know, renovation meta for example, Mm -hmm. and say, oh, wow, it works in the market. It's been proven. So to a certain extent, I don't have to do all that testing. We kind Mm -hmm. of know that this could work, at least that it's been proven. So I think that's why people or why companies would be interested in doing it. And to be honest with you, as a game designer, if it ain't broke, don't fix it is a is is a saying, right? Uh, Sometimes, especially if you want to, you know, change the world with the games that you make, you can start to over design things. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of wisdom in saying, look, a UI of a screen, that's a best practice in the industry, we see this, we don't need to go changing it. You know, now the question is, are you then cloning it? Are you cloning the UI of whatever Gardenscapes into your version of a match three plus meta? Yes, but at the same time, it's efficient to do so. So I think it's usually called best practices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a fine line there. And I think what we want to investigate right now for sure is those clones that are just made quickly, as you said, right after the success of a game like Survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, that are not really innovating in any place. So it's really interesting to dive into that, I think. Why do you think that some of them don't work? Well, first, some statistics. Because when we say oh, something yes. doesn't work, we can provide it as well. We've done a bit of research. And for example, talking about Archero, three years mm-hmm. ago, the game was released. Huge success, lots of money, very profitable. Right at the peak of it, there were lots of clones coming. There was a whole wave. And up to that moment, I think more than 60 clones were made in this subcategory or sub-niche, let us call it mm-hmm. so, Archello legs. Mm-hmm. But overall, they have earned less than 5% of Archero's profits. So we can say for sure that none of them were successful. None. Mm. Though right now, looking at the same situation going with Survivor, and cloning comes in waves. So we've got a new hit, there is a new game in the town, and it seems pretty easy to copy. That's a very interesting and very important word, because, for example, when you see a 4x strategy, 
and it's successful, no one in their like clear mind will try to copy it from the scratch, because you can see that it is difficult. But with some games, especially with uh, mid-core games or casual games, or something that is called hybrid casual right now, you might be looking at it and thinking, all right, so I think the core is very simple, I can imitate it in, in a week. Mm -hmm. Meta, well, we can try to copy it. And then, boom, you think that it is easy to copy, though sometimes it's not. For example, with Archero, the matter right now is absolutely overwhelming. There are layers and layers of mechanics there. Of course, when it was first released, it wasn't so complex, but it was still pretty well designed. And mm -hmm. if you don't have enough expertise, you won't be able to design a matter like that. You have to keep it in mind. So some games just seem to be easy to copy on the surface, but in reality, they are much more difficult. You just said something really interesting, which is that Archero at the beginning didn't have all those layers. They mm -hmm. were added over time, right? Yeah. That's the key point here. If you're going to design a clone of Archero after Archero's been around for X number of years, that's a really hard feat. Archero didn't even make Archero in its current form <laughs> in one go, it is true. right? Yeah, it became yeah. that over time. And that's the trick. Like, I think that's where we can see. For me, the question with a clone is always why? Would I stop playing Archero to play this game? If I'm already playing Archero, I have my characters unlocked, I have my equipment at a certain level, I know the gameplay, I know the game feel, I know the uh -huh. I know the the style, I like all these things, I'm committed to it. Why would I stop playing it to go play new game, right? There's an investment the player uh -huh. is making. Now that's for if you're trying to convert Archero players to a clone, I think that would be really, really hard as I'm describing. But also for new players, like why would I... Um, you'd have to spend huge on UA to out-buy Archero's buying power of new users, right? Yep. Though pretty funny, we've been exploring merge games recently and we've stumbled upon posts on Reddit that were saying, yeah, I really love this game, I don't know, Love and Pies, for example, or Merge mm -hmm. Mansion. And do you guys know any games like that, I want to play them as well. So in some situations, the current target audience, the current fan base, six for clones and copycats. Mm, more. Yeah, mm. it, it happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. And for example, we, we've seen a, a pretty interesting case of uh, a game called Gossip Harbor that at first looked like a ripoff of Love and Pies, mm -hmm. but it had a better monetization system and more complex levels. And the growth of RPD metric revenue per downloads was much higher. Hmm. So basically, though it was released a year after the original, and like from the logical point, there was no uh, reason for success. Hmm. It became successful. But returning to our discussion, our point, what can be the reasons for clones to fail? I think that actually there might be two ironic reasons. So the first one is that when you try to literally copy the game, you copy the matter, you copy the core, you have to be pretty decent in your gaming expertise in order to perform it well. And at some point, so if you've mentioned it, if it works, don't touch it, don't mm -hmm. break it. But it's really tempting to change something, you know, like, yes. yeah, yeah, I want to copy all of that. But at some point, oh, I sleep and I, for example, change the daily bonus, or I change the meta progression, or I change something more. And then the whole system breaks. So mm -hmm. it's really funny to see how people try to make the games better when cloning and end up making it worse. I've heard a story yeah. recently, there were guys, and I think they are doing it right now, they were making a clone of Coin Master. Mm -hmm. And during the first several iterations, they had pretty bad uh, metrics, especially revenue metrics and monetization metrics. And then 
the task that they received was just take the initial core loop, take the meta, take everything as it is. Please don't put any changes. Mm-hmm. And let's see how it goes. And the metrics grew. And they grew really well. So mm. I think the, the main point of this story is that when you're trying to copy literally, you have to stick to, to the idea, to the book, to the whole system already built. Mm-hmm. So once again, this uh, leads us to the second question. What will be the main reason for audience out there, for the players, to come to your game and to try it out? And I think it leads us to the second idea. So, all right, we want to copy, but we want to change something. What do we want to change? What we can change? Uh, what can be a recipe for a successful clone? Well, potentially successful. How do you think? Yeah. Um, in order to identify what to change... In order to identify how to decide what portion of this game are we not going to touch and what portion of this game is open for mm-hmm. uh, iteration is completely dependent on the audience and what they want. Mm-hmm. So it is also dependent on your organization's ability to understand what players are looking for, right? Having a robust infrastructure in place that can do insight testing uh-huh. or, you know, work with partners. For example, perhaps your uh, your organization that can help provide that insights. I'm giving you free ad right now on your podcast, but that's on, <laughs> on this podcast, but that's that makes sense, right? But it's really yeah. important. Yeah. That's, there's a reason why these organizations exist. For example, you can look at a, at a genre. I'm just going to, I don't know any of this for sure just going to say maybe you know some more but merge okay Mm -hmm. we see that players who are playing merge are actually looking for a little bit more strategy in the Mm -hmm. merge experience and they want they say they're kind of bored with just waiting for things to pop up and the randomness factor they don't really like we have that data um let's say or our imaginary game company if we see a large enough opportunity there that's when a company or a game team should think okay Now we know exactly what to think about. How do we take Uh the successful merge base and how do we add a layer to that? And then, yeah, okay, in many ways you are doing something called cloning, but you're adding some some flair. And I think your story about the team that was working on a Coin Master style game is interesting because sometimes it indeed doesn't work to, Uh uh, to add something. Players don't want that, but you need to... If you have evidence that says that they want it, then it gives you a reason to do it. Unless you have really clear evidence, don't go over designing something and 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 stick to what works. But still make it your own, of course. I, I like I said at the beginning, I don't recommend just without any creativity whatsoever, uh, completely copying another team's work. Yeah, that's what I would say. We start from a position of understanding what our players need. And I think one of good sources for that, because well, the next rational question will be, all right, so how do I understand? What do the players need? Actually, we've already mentioned it. You can go to the social media, you can check up the reviews, you can check up the ratings, and players love to talk with the developers, especially when they don't love something. Well, if they love everything that, in most of the cases, you won't hear anything from them. But (laughs) if you've done something wrong, if your game lacks something, then you will definitely hear it a lot. So if you want to know, okay, so for example, I want to make a merge game, I don't know, we've been making match three titles up to this moment. They were quite successful, but we know that match three is a red ocean. It's a very competitive genre. It's really mm-hmm. difficult out there. Mm-hmm. And then there is merch. It's easier. It requires pretty much the same expertise. So we can use the same meta. We can use quite the same narrative. And all we need is understanding what is going on 
in the niche and what the players really want. For example, there is one title called Medieval Merch, and though, well, at least majority of the top grossing titles in the Merch, Merch 2 niche, they are designed for female audience, so they are all about cooking, they're all about decorating, makeover, a new trend in Merch games as well. Mm-hmm. But there is one game, Medieval Merch, and it's totally designed for male audience. So the marketing campaigns are all around fight the monsters, save your village, build your kingdom. Though in the game itself, there is, well, no fighting whatsoever, I'd say, because it's just uh, you can merge items and using some of these items, you fulfill the quests and then you can see the short animation for the fighting. Hmm. So really, it's just like the animation for building a new wall or painting a new, a new table yeah, in your cafe. Yeah, different yeah. form. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So like, Gameplay itself, it doesn't change anything, but it really helps with the new target audience that mm-hmm. wasn't covered by existing niche by that point. So I'd say that it might be a good source of the feedback. Definitely. And I think this is a great example of the right way to do it and a practice that is common in definitely in mobile gaming. There's no need to, like we said, we've said a couple of times, no need to reinvent the wheel mm-hmm. if it's working. Now, Medieval Merge, it's a clone, I guess, to a certain extent. To a certain extent, But also yeah, exactly. not, you know? Like, that's the tricky thing. That's what I was trying to get to before, is that what do we call clones? And, you know, I mean, like, for example, if you look at w- uh, Wudoku-style mm-hmm. games, there, in that, like, genre, I suppose you could call it, micro-genre, there are some real clones. Like, literally, where it's, like, Wudoku and, you know, Sudoku with wood. Like, uh, the mm-hmm. games like that, you know? They're really just the exact same. Even in their look, their feel, they're actually trying to copy each other. And there's been a lot of fast followers and people trying to, to break into that into that market. That's a different kind of thing, right? Then we're talking more about the player just understanding this is the exact same game. And I think, to some extent, there might be a motivation there behind players to have multiple copies of the same style of game is because if I run out of my free energy in one, yeah. then I can just go to the next one and play that one as well. Yeah. And that's what you also run a risk of. That's why I think cloning is a risky game because, yeah, you could you could be very successful and overtake. Like uh, one example is the game 3 and the game 2048. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with 2048, that kind of number yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. number combination game? 3 was the original, and 2048 mm. has actually now completely overtaken 3. So it sometimes can work in your favor, like you can become so big and so popular that you actually overtake the original, the original design in terms of popularity. But I think oftentimes, as a player, why would I have three copies of the same game on my phone I'm not going to invest in all three of them. You know, I'm not going to become a spender in all three. I, I don't foresee that happening, but you may have some data that, uh, that points in a different direction. Do you think that people are paying in multiple kind of clones of the same game? That's a very good question. So from what you've just said, there might be an idea so that it is very reasonable to make a clone in the games with shorter sessions. So if mm-hmm. there are some limits to the game, natural limits with energy, for example, or timers, then you can go to another one. But usually the payment, one of the main reasons for paying is prolonging your session. So being mm-hmm. able to play longer. And thus you will need or want to pay in the game that you love the most because you mm-hmm. want to prolong session at this exact game. So I'd say that in most of the cases, you might want to switch the game but you will be paying in only one of them. But then there is a tricky part, because paying not only depends on the person himself or herself, but also on how the monetization system works. So say there is an original game, wonderful core gameplay, good meta, but no personalization 
in the monetization. So no personalized offers, no chains, no working with uh, average payment. And then there is a copycat made by a very, very experienced team. And there is a whole big cake layer of monetization there with yeah, all the expertise. sprinkles, all the offers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As you were and talking about before, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's where expertise can make you, can help you to make this extra step. But you completely. need it. You have to need it. You're completely right, actually. Um, that's, And I think it's really important, as you mentioned before, I want to reiterate it now again. Expertise, you can't copy everything in a game. You can only copy what you can see, right? Yep. It's a merge game. So I tap on things to create items, then I can combine them and I fulfill a task. That's the central functionality, both of Love and Pies and of Medieval Merge, as you just described to me. It's, yep. It's, yep. They're identical. Now, how often do you get energy? How quickly does the box reset so that I can tap on it again? The economy of the game, the system of the game, that mm -hmm. is something that the game team, you know, that's their intellectual property to a certain extent. Like that is something they can hide. They should hide because it's the thing that makes the game work. Monetization is another one of these examples of a sufficiently advanced monetization strategy where segmentation is coming into play, where um, the game is able to understand and then give, understand payment uh, behaviors from a player and then give that player offers that work for them for their kind of play is what you were just describing. These are things that seasoned industry professionals and experts uh -huh. in their fields, the respective fields, can create. And that's really hard. That's There's a reason why uh, these are positions that are sought after and why it's something people build their careers on, uh, mastering. I think actually that's why you could see copycatting happening a lot in games that mod uh, monetize on ads. Mm -hmm. If I just create a game that is sticky in terms of its, uh, of its core, like a fun game to play, then I can just throw ads in people's faces and I don't have to worry about monetizing based on actual engagement and more complex forms of or complex systems that drive monetization. Yeah, I think it's all about very entertaining core gameplay. And let's not forget that we were talking a lot about Survivor, but the game itself is kind of a clone. It was based on the Vampire Survivors. And what is even more interesting, PC indie game Vampire Survivors was partly based on Archero, so like mm -hmm, the circle, definitely. <laughs> it was a circle. And yeah. partly, I think the inspiration was uh, from a game called Magic Survival. You definitely haven't heard about it before. No, I haven't. It's totally fine. I haven't myself. And the majority of our audience, I'm pretty sure, didn't hear about it as well. But the main idea is, is that this mobile game has the same sticky, roguelike, alien invasion, crimson land gameplay. Mm -hmm. So the core gameplay was copied to PC, then doubled copied to mobile with meta layer and with monetization. And mm -hmm. now it is triple copied by other titles. And some of them are pretty decent and are pretty successful, like Lonely Survivor, for example. There is another good example. And I was so, I'm not even sure about the word shocked, impressed. So there is a game called Path of Immortals. Mm -hmm. And Originally, it was a copycat of Archero. So with the whole levels progression, with different kinds of heroes that you can play with. But after the release of Survivor, it just split its core gameplay. And there are two modes right now. You can play Survivor there. You can play Archero there with yeah, the same hero. And they took the map cool. and split it as well. So for part of the progressions made in survivor mode part of the progression is made in archero mode yeah, because man from a game design point of view 
Survivor and Archero are <laughs> identical. <laughs> the only difference is that Archero yep. has levels that are that have walls, and Survivor is an endless level yep. of just auto-generated enemies that keep coming at you. The core game, the core like progression loop in the in that core game is level up from little gems that are dropped by enemies and get more cool powers. That's yep. it. That's all it is. It's the exact same in Archero and in Survivor. Well, maybe not the exact same, but like very, very, very close. So this idea from Path of Immortals, I haven't played it yet, but now I definitely want to go check it out because that to me is like, now you're innovating in an interesting way. You're saying, I see that these two uh, things are, are similar, Mm -hmm. But why would I need to upgrade my character in two different games? What if I just had one? I personally like that. And that's the kind of thing that I feel would make that company deserve to get a win from that. Like, I think that's a clever innovation. I don't know how they're doing. In they're terms doing quite of the... fine. So I think uh, okay. right now they're performing quite well. So they ended up with some part of success, at least. To me, like it might have been clear from the way that I started <laughs> this talk, clone to me is kind of a dirty word. Like mm -hmm. by that, I mean clones that I describe as having honor. Mm -hmm. If you are just completely copying something, like an example, in preparation for this interview, I read an, an article on um, GameIndustry.biz from I think a couple of years back about the cloning culture. And they interviewed two uh, game designers, the company behind Unpacking. Mm -hmm. And right after that game was released, brilliant game, completely new idea, a Zen puzzle game with kind of a beautiful story behind it. The app stores were flooded with unpacking clones and not just like, you know, the same idea, literally the mm -hmm. same level design, the same rooms, the same kind of objects, the same loops. And the article was really talking about how negative of an experience this was for the developers of these titles. The other one was Ridiculous Fishing the, by Flumbeer. That's the Dutch pronunciation of it. I don't know if that's <laughs> Flambeer, if it's uh, if it's not uh, a Dutch company. But um, both of these developers were talking about how difficult of an experience that was and how hard it is to report clones. Mm -hmm. But those kinds of clones where it's just literally you're taking the very special idea that a developer had and just really quickly creating a, a clone of it because you can, I don't like that. I have no problem with Habi iterating on the ideas they know work and creating uh -huh. new kinds of combinations. That's just making games. That's how yep. it works. And yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how we drive our industry forward. So that's the, at least that's how it's been done in the past. And I kind of like that about the games industry that we are all kind of, if you think about it, we're all kind of working together on making the best experience. And we're kind of competing against each other to say, no, no, this is the way it could be better. Oh, no, this is the way it could be better. And yeah, sometimes the market moves. It, it follows the version of that experience that is giving players the most joy, that is connecting with them the most, as it should, right? But then it goes back and it goes forth. I don't have any problem with that. And to call that cloning is, I mean, maybe giving it a negative connotation when I don't think it deserves it. It is true. We may, might call it inspiration or iteration. Iteration, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely true. I really love your approach. So based on that, let's try to come up with some maybe advices or ideas. What yeah. are the recipe for a successful clone? What can be made? So we, we've already named one. You mm -hmm. should be looking at the industry. You should yep. be looking for pain points when the players are not happy right now with the existing games and maybe meditate on that and come with a different iteration of the mm -hmm. same game, but with another art style, setting, story narrative, maybe some parts of the meta that will help 
to close these gaps. So this is the first one. I think also you really need a very good marketing campaign. So mm -hmm. if you have a very good marketing department, cloning game or making uh, an inspiration, taking an inspiration from the game, combined with the right marketing campaign can lead you to the top crossing of the genre or the niche. And I think it's just a general advice that can be given for any game right now, because especially on mobile platforms, you need this marketing in order to be successful. On PC or consoles, I think PC even more, you have an opportunity to work with some inspired people in the industry to promote your game through social media. And if you are lucky, you will end up with a very passionate circle of people that really believe in your game. On mobile, no one will hear about it if you try to work with organic only. Though, at the same time, if you are popular enough, then you will be able to acquire a lot of organic players. But, mm -hmm. like, uh, you have to give this first push in order to be there, in order to acquire organic. Yes, I mean... It is just the, the nature of our industry right now, certainly following the changes that Apple has made yep. to privacy, yep. that UA is kind of, well, the UA that allowed the industry to explode in the way that it has, from what I understand and have heard from the very smart people that I listen to in mm -hmm. other podcasts and the people that I read, you know, that has just crippled, the changes have crippled the industry and really changed it fundamentally. Making a great game is just as much about game design and about creating a, a sticky core loop and a rewarding experience that looks really good as it is about acquiring users. And a great game can just fail because you can't break in. And uh, when making clones or participating in, in kind of more clone-like game development, I suppose we could say, just be aware that extremely successful companies behind extremely successful games have a very large incentive to make it very hard for you and your little team to break in, okay? Like Coinmaster, for example, Moon Active can outprice the UA of anyone by snapping their fingers if they want to. Like they have the resources to be able to do that. And we call this like a fortress, right? I, that's kind of how I think of it in my mind. We have these content fortresses where they basically say, no, 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 this is this genre, we dominate it. You can make a clone game, sure, but it's going to be very expensive for you to acquire users. So just be aware of that. And that's why you need some kind of hook. So getting back to our advice list, I'd say that, well, first and foremost, we've mentioned it. You have to look for the sticky core gameplay. Without it, there is no big chance it will be a success. Secondly, you have to do your homework. You have to do the proper research to understand what is going on, what is the niche, is there a market whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Then you have to look for the feedback. So what is going on? Is there any place for improvements? Because the users, the players will bring you this information. Just be open to receive it. Mm -hmm. Fourth, don't change something that is already working. Don't break it by changing. Fifth, be sure that you can work with marketing campaigns and you can buy traffic effectively. And then the sixth, you have to bring in something new to understand what you're bringing in the picture, new setting, new art style, new narrative, new meta. You have to understand how it will work and how it will add up layer to an already existing game, not just take a piece of it, because then it will break. Mm -hmm. So for the last part, 
usually we try to have some kind of recommendation based on the games that we play right now or we love. So from each of the guests and from each of the hosts, we try to come up with three games that we can recommend in this episode. So let's try at least to think about three. Do you have any in mind? Oh, I kind of feel like I have to think of three that are clones of each other. Uh, that might be Th- funny. That's a good one. Yeah, might be funny. Exactly, yeah. Um, but I don't know if I uh, necessarily can. Like, um, Marvel Snap, obviously, a huge wave in our industry. It's really yep. exciting because, I don't know if you heard, but like Marvel Snap, like the game uh, director, oh, goodness, his name. Do you know his name? Ben Brode. Ben Brode, Was thank you. Go? Yeah, you're welcome. He gave a talk at GDC. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard about this, but he apparently just gave away the design inspiration of Marvel Snap, which is like, he's a really cool guy. I hope one day we can get him on the podcast. Uh, the opportunity to meet I him really would be amazing. Well, yeah. More, you know, I hope, I hope that you have the opportunity to speak to him at least. He gave away the secret sauce and the, what inspired him. So mm-hmm. what games is Marvel Snap based on? You know, the, mm-hmm. the, what is it an iteration of? And of all the games to watch, I think that's one of the big ones right now. And I can't wait to see what our industry starts to come up with as the next iteration on that. You know, mm-hmm. like, how can we take that step further? And I'm sure there will be clones as well of that game coming. So Marvel Snap is one. Uh, how about you? How about you name your first one? Yeah, yeah. I think we can go like in turns. Yeah, yeah I think my it. first one will be SSS Snaker by heavy because it's a new game by a very successful company like each their game was a big hit or a massive hit either of these two almost go in super sell way i think because they iterate a lot their new games are absolutely based on their previous ones but at the same time they have something new i think the same thing happened with the clash of clans royal clash then Clash Quest, so definitely all these games were based on the previous ones so i really love to see what guys are doing with their games and mm. well on the bottom of it it's just fun to play i've spent that, several yes. days playing with it yeah and the only reason i stopped was because well i have unfortunately i have life i have work to do and, and so <laughs> on but in, in general it's really interesting how they mix pretty easy but at the same time very captivating mechanics so yeah. it's really i'm super intricate. curious yeah yeah it's curious it, yeah. both from like just a player uh, side of the question and from someone who's working in the industry mm, brilliant yeah i'm gonna download it right away i haven't heard of it yet so i'm excited to play that i thought of my second one um oh, great on this conversation of clones you know i feel like a good one to check out because it's like a weird sidestep for the genre is match masters have you ever heard of it competitive match three yeah um it is a really interesting little little game it's different really different than other match three titles most match three titles are of course solo experience a puzzle experience uh i am not timed there's no pressure the only thing there is kind of my engagement with with that core mechanic mm-hmm. and match masters just blows it out of the water it takes the same core of matching things as well as you know combining certain numbers to create boosters Mm -hmm. but it adds it adds a layer of competitiveness and it adds a like it turns it into a completely different kind of game and i haven't decided whether i think it's good yet it's an interesting one but if you're interested in like seeing how a company can or a studio can attempt to make a new step in a genre Mm -hmm. to really differentiate themselves 
and play this game to check out how successful you think it is knowing match three you know and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a really interesting i would love to be able to look you know behind the curtains there and, and see how they're talking about it what their target audience is how they think about it back to the point of motivations you know what brought them to this choice like it's it's an interesting game you know what funny you mentioned it because we've been working with the guys behind the matchmasters and really? some of the yeah, some of the competitors' mechanics they've introduced in the game was based on the research they've done with App Magic. So mm. we were, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, we were talking a lot, and they ended up with a success. But it was like a big shot at that moment. It was not obvious at all that it will be successful. Yeah, so yeah. it was a leap of faith, totally. Nice. I'm happy it's going well for them. Like, it might not be my kind of game. That's what I mean by I don't know if I like it yet. It's mm-hmm. a subjective, at the end of the day, it's a subjective thing. Professionally, and from my like perspective as a game designer, I think it's a fascinating move and it's very brave. I always, like you say, it was a big shot. I always like seeing mm-hmm. when games that are brave enough to make a genuine new thing be successful. That's what drives our industry at the end of the day. So that's my number two. All right, I think my number two actually will be both a PC and a mobile game. And we've already mentioned it today. It will be Vampire Survivors. Mm. Because I know not all of the people out there that have played Survivor, for example, and that have tried Survivor, they have tried Vampire Survivors as well. And it feels quite different, actually. So Mm. it has pixel graphic, yeah, for sure. But at the same time, it has a very intricate hidden layer of mechanics that I don't think it will work on mobile, especially for the casual audience, because there is some levels that you will not find or some objects that you will not combine without a wiki. Hmm. And that is something very special. That is something that especially indie games really love to play with. But when you aim for a broader audience, there is no way you can introduce it. Maybe some kind of Easter eggs, but nothing more. Mm -hmm. But if you really love the core gameplay and if you are looking for more, I really recommend trying it and seeing whether this like additional layer of mystery suits you or not. That's one of the reasons I was really hooked to the game and I spent like 20 hours during three days and then I deleted it because I was looking at my Steam and I was, wait a minute. 20 hours really yeah. how i ended up here i've heard that like time and time again like people are like yeah 70 hours on this game how did the time mm-hmm. fly by it's interesting I- i've played it as well i liked it i it also like survivor.io and it's very much an archero game because it there's no directional abilities whatsoever correct me if i'm wrong but vampire survivors has certain weapons that it does depend where you're facing yeah. how the weapon yeah. works yeah it does so there's yep. a, there is also a bit more uh, skill expression in that game. It's a little bit uh-huh. harder, I think, if you play certain characters as well. So again, it goes to your point of, of a more niche audience versus the broad and mass appeal that Happy wants. And it's, there's no better or worse there. It's just different. So for my third one, I think Tetris Story. Have you heard of it? No, I don't think so. What Tetris is it? Story. It's an interesting one. It's a new... As far as I know, a new kind of Tetris-style game, which essentially is the core meta relationship of any match three game with a simple builder meta. So think mm-hmm. Royal Match. I'm upgrading, uh, instead of uh, rooms in a castle, I'm upgrading a Tetris Island, and I'm mm-hmm. like giving my little Tetris people houses. The core game is this puzzle where I have to drop tetrahedrons. Hmm. I believe they're called tetrahedrons. <laughs> well, I think so. You have to drop them in order to clear rows, not in a typical Tetris, like actual Tetris, just 
-hmm. It's more like a puzzle. Like I have to drop the correct pieces in the correct places in order to clear the rows and clear the level, earn a star, spend it in the meta. That's the loop, basically. Like complete the puzzle, earn star, builds the next part of the meta. But it's quite fun. It uses similar boosters and like hindrances of match three games. So like every couple of levels is introducing a new kind of blocker that you have to solve. Mm -hmm. And you are also earning boosters in the same way as, uh, for example, Royal Matches like floods you with a bunch of these boosters. You get used to using them because they empower your gameplay. It's not a clone because it gives a totally new core, but it is a clone in the sense that meta and some of the layers of the gameplay are, are really, really similar to established things. So it's a really interesting combination. Sounds good. I should really play it for my third one. I think, well, it might be a cheating. I will go with a very big, very impressive and very profitable. And at the same time, one of the best clone games I've seen in years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a good introduction. Okay, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm curious. The now. name is Genshin Impact. Oh, yeah. So Clone. Yeah, like you look at Zelda Breath of the Wild and you can mm -hmm. totally see what what is the main reference the mechanics yeah. how your stamina works the health well the visuals the art everything mm -hmm. especially when it was first released it was taken from breath of the wild but Definitely. at the same time yeah. it works brilliantly on mobile on pc on consoles so there is cross gameplay though though there is no game on xbox so phil spencer blame goes on you <laughs> but at the same time there is cross play there is an opportunity to enjoy this story all by yourself at the same mm -hmm. time, you can play it with someone. So as a PvP, PvE, and then there is whole gotcha level with all these different heroes, different yeah. abilities, different visuals, and it's done really professionally. So it's not a ripoff. It's everything with lots of inspiring, as you've mentioned it, but it has made a long road by its own. And I think it's a very good example of having inspiration from a very good game with a great core gameplay but adding up layers and layers of content narrative and other stuff to that yeah i mean man great explanation and genshin is one of the one of the i think one of the most important mobile games like that we have because of a lot of its the cross play thing is something that we should not be underestimating whatsoever yeah. that's like that's another podcast in and of itself but i do think that cross play is the future like with more powerful devices we're able to bring AAA style experiences to mobile and then being able to pick it up on my PC whenever I want or uh, like put it on my big screen to that's just groundbreaking and um, pure magic. Yeah. yeah, really, really good shout for that. I wasn't expecting it, but a uh, very nice final recommendation. And as cool. for your final recommendation, I think you've I've already given one. three. I, oh. I gave three. Oh, yeah, sorry. Snap. Sorry about Snap. No, that's right. Uh, snap. Well, we could just keep going. This. I could almost, nah, I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, this yeah. This could be Third a podcast in and of itself. Tetris story. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yeah, Tetris story. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Then these are the recommendations for this episode. And I think, guys and girls out there listening to us, you should totally check all of the games, or at least some of them. We will be happy if you will receive some pleasure out of it. It will be quite enough. Yes, sir. Thank you for joining us today, for joining me today, well, apparently. And I really hope we will be seeing each other more in the future episodes. Well, I yeah. think during the current episode, we've named four or five topics that we can make another episode about. So that's a big thing. And yeah, to all of you listening to us, thank you for being with us today. Stay tuned for the next episodes. Take care and bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.